episode 103 of the Scum and Villainy Podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, it's Noah to George. It's really growing on me now that we're in the 1-0 whatever mm-hmm. uh, of It feels episodes. good, right? We feel it does, se- yeah. We it, feel seasoned. It really does. Right. Yeah. You, you know when you get like a new pan and it's like not quite there? We're like the pan that's, you know, been the through the beater. Nothing sticks to it anymore. It's perfectly seasoned. That's how yeah. I like to think oh, of you yeah. and I, Noah. A, a nice griddle. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of pans. You know what it is? Oh, <laughs> uh, Noah, we have a big episode today. Uh, and not necessarily a ton to discuss, but you and I are going to be taking a look backward uh, is also forward on The Mandalorian Season 3, which has since concluded, Noah. This has been a bumpy ride for you and me, uh, but it is all over now with uh, the release of Chapter 24 titled The Return. Uh, you and I have been uh, discussing each and every episode uh, and all of our various thoughts on all of the episodes now up to this point. Uh, to those of you who are no stranger uh, or, or to or, you know newer to the show, it's 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 been a bumpy ride, as I said, but... It's all over now. Uh, what'd you think, Noah? <laughs> season finale, season three. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yep, it's we're done. We made it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying not to be too too negative out of the gate, mm-hmm. um, but let's let's like frame things this way because I've been thinking about I've been thinking about not the episode but our conversation. I've been thinking about our conversation all day, like. Today was, I was like, I cannot wait to talk about it. I don't know what we're going to talk about because I hadn't watched the episode yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just was like, I know that like, like whatever our thoughts are going to be like, I've had enough time to sit with things. I want this to be a fruitful and, and a, a thought out conversation. And here's what I kept coming back to. Like you had said, some of us have, some of the listeners have been with us since we started talking about uh, season three of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you remember, Garrett, I made an analogy as we uh, broke into this season with episode one in the analogy of uh, this is like uh, you, you dated somebody for a while and things were good and then you broke up and it was rough. It was a hard breakup. But after some time, you've kind of had that, that healing period and then you see them again. And they're like, oh, hey, you know, how's it going? Yada, yada, yada. And your reaction is, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, we don't really have to, we don't really have to do this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. And uh, that's how I felt going into this. And I was kind of thinking of that analogy as like, okay, with this season finale, this could go a couple ways. And in my head, I was like, okay, the way that I think that this is going to go is if we're continuing with the analogy, say you bump into your ex, uh, after a long time at a party and you're like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like, don't even worry about it. I'm, I'm totally cool. And then you're at the party and like, you just started to notice things and maybe your ex kind of, you know, teases this idea of, you know, maybe things could be back to the way that they were and, and we could get back on track and, and pick up where we left off and things could be good. And you start to think a little bit and you're like, yeah, you know what, actually that, I guess that wouldn't be so bad. I mean, I'm all right on my own, but you know, it was, it was, we had fun, you know, we had, we had fun back in season (laughs) one and you start to think of these things and then you realize she was, she was just drunk and she goes home with some other guy and you're like, what? Well, I I feel like I've been had, I feel like I've been got. And and what do you do with that? That's where I thought that this was going to go. But I'll tell you right now, 
what we're going to talk about with this episode. I don't even know where the analogy goes at this point. <laughs> this, <laughs> this episode has completely broken down this perfect construct of like a, of a perfect metaphor construct. That I, yes. <laughs> hey, That's listen. One way to on. describe it. <laughs> hold on, just a second. Th- this episode has ruined my analogy in the sense <laughs> that I don't know what I don't know how I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I'm confused. I like have doubts. I also am like. You know, there are things there that have potential, but it's just so like really throwing everything against the wall and and seeing what sticks and barely anything sticks. But the things that do like really stick, but there's just a few things and they're not at all things that you would need to stick. The things that you need to stick don't. Um, Nothing feels cohesive. I don't feel like. I don't feel like I've been given a proper conclusion. Not that I necessarily as, you know, a star Wars fan, not that I need a proper conclusion or what I feel like is the proper conclusion or, or the correct way to end this season or this series. I don't even, I don't know if that's a potential, you know, if that's a potential discussion, but I just feel, (laughs) I feel used. (laughs) I feel used. That's it. That's the best that I can do. You know, I I watched the episodes uh, considerably earlier than you do. You're a, a working man, so you you come home and you you crack open your RC as you're drinking now. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> and you watch the episode where I, I watch it like the moment it comes out. Have all day to think about it. Have all day to like write up the notes. And like I'm able to like somewhat even gauge the discourse of just like you know I've got that initial reaction of like ooh what are people gonna think of this and then I see and it's you know I'm right now Noah I. I'm at like a level of peace with this because like I, I'm I, I think I was in denial first when this episode came out. I just want to say out of the way, this isn't like a dog shit episode. It's not. It's just like <laughs> no, no. It's just so nothing. It's just so like all right, you know. And I I think there were a lot of people who expected some big reveal. You know, season one ends with. The, the dark saber. Oh my God. You know, uh, everybody's losing their mind. Season two ends. It's Luke Skywalker and, you know, and Boba Fett and all this crazy stuff. And with this, it just ends, you know, it, and I, I, I wasn't really one of those people that was like, mm, Ahsoka Thrawn, they're coming in. You and I, we, when we talked about this, we had, that was nowhere near our radar. So I think there's a lot of people who are frustrated by the lack of pizzazz with this, but I'm more just frustrated at it just ends with such a thud from like a character perspective and nothing felt like it has culminated up to this moment. It doesn't feel like it's a triumphant victory for these heroes that they've earned. It doesn't feel like their arc. I'm like, it's now complete. Oh, oh, what a great season. You know, they went from this to this to this. And, you know, oh, that moment calls back to that moment and such growth for these characters and all this kind of stuff. I'm really just at this moment of peace, Noah, where I'm just kind of like, look, before this season, I was really excited for it. I, I thought that this show had some real potential. Season two, not my fave. Season one, I thought was is solid. Uh, upon rewatches, rewatches, I think is good, but I, I don't think that the show has, it has rarely been great. And I think that this season's batting average for that is even worse. Um, I think that there has been a lot of ups or a lot of downs and like very few ups. <laughs> and again, the downs aren't like cataclysmic. What were they thinking downs? It's just so, okay. You know, it's, and I, I think that it is, 
in a way makes this the perfect season finale because it's also just so okay you know like yep that's it um season four can't wait you know and i think i'm i'm at this place now to where i no longer expect anything from this show i think that the season had such potential to dive into some really rich ideas like some heavy heavy stuff and this show could not or at least appears that it couldn't care less <laughs> about all of those <laughs> other things and it really seems like it is just that action whiz bang toy in the sandbox kind of show that Favreau and Filoni have talked about with glimmers of those ideas with glimmers of character moments and like a shadow of what you would kind of expect I think Star Wars to be I think Star Wars is a show that's able to have both the depth the intrigue the the meaning the heart and the action and I think that this show that the uh you know the the, the pie chart Noah uh, the calibration is off. It seems a lot of action, a, a little bit of heart, mostly found in humor, and then just a smidgen of character stuff, literally to the point to where it's like a conversation, an episode, maybe, you know, uh, a, a moment here, an action there, things unsaid, mostly subtext. You and I have talked about that a lot to where it's like to dive into the show, you really got to dive in. If you want to find the depth that's there, I'm not saying this is absent of depth, but you really got to dive into it. And I think that this season uh, has just concluded in a way that is just so all right. You know, it's just yeah, I, I don't yeah. expect this show to to be anything that it hasn't already displayed to me now. Um, I didn't go into the season finale expecting something amazing because I think I've been set up for disappointment up to this point. I think it delivers on the quality that has been <laughs> present throughout this entire season. And unfortunately, no, that is not a compliment. I, I Here's my like. In my assessment, um, we have gone through a lot of really similar episodic beats um, that we tend to just we tend to find the same issues in each episode. And it's interesting that like overall as a season, you could probably say that about it. But I think that the season finale in particular um, has these issues that are like that are fundamentally different than the issues that we've had, you know, previously. Some, some are the same. Yes. Um, but I think that like, when we talk about some of the other episodes where they suffer from, from, you know, inconsequential writing and, and things where it's just, okay, we have to have this happen. So it does, um, or, or things like that. This feels like a product of those things in the sense that, yes, we get to the end uh, of everything we wrap up every pretty much everything we tie a bow on pretty much everything but just in the sense that like it's so insanely predictable at this point you know you could have you you could have like started me off with the uh with the dragon episode and been like okay you got the first couple minutes what do you think's gonna happen never in a thousand years would i have said i think a dragon's gonna come out of nowhere and and steal a kid you know that would be absurd uh but that's what happens with this episode though it, it's there is nothing that is left up to like there's nothing that's le left up to reveal and and not that like you had said you know luke in season two the dark saber in season one not that we need this big canon you know revelation this huge like oh my god sure. it's 
him um, or or it's that or it's that place or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I don't um, think that you and I throughout this entire season have said, oh, there's not enough cameos or Easter eggs. I think right. if anything, that was like a big frustration of both of ours for the prior season, a show that or season that we, you know, we weren't a podcast then. But I think you and I were both like too much stuff, you know, pump yeah, the brakes, yeah. too much stuff. So it's not now, an issue here. <laughs> right. That's the uh, that's the weird thing is now that you've stripped that away, what you're left with is characters that are barely developed to the point where I, you know, you start the episode and you know how it's going to end already because none of these, none of these characters have anything interesting to add or, or no growth left to achieve and no, no changes left to be made to their, you know, to their, their, their actions, their, their motivations, whatever. And it just feels really, really simple in the sense of, yes, it's still a little bit of that, like, we need this to happen. So it just happens. Um, yeah. but it's, it's so much more colored by the fact that there's just nothing interesting left on the plate to do with these characters. And so it just ends mm -hmm. and it's a very weird place to be, I think, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I, this, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a lot about this season next week. We're going to do an entire season, uh, recap. We're going to even, uh, even be joined by a special guest, so I think you and I are in the same space of like, we're, we're, obviously this season has informed our opinion of this episode because it is the finale. But uh, if you guys want to hear more in-depth thoughts about this entire season and our, our thoughts of everything before we move on to, you know, what's next down the, the road, make sure you guys tune in for next episode. But yeah, before we dive into spoilers, Noah, let's just go ahead and uh, give this a verdict. I think for me, this is just like... uh like such a thud of a thumbs down, you know, to where it's just like a womp womp, you know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is like, it's one thumb down. The other thumb couldn't even bother to show up. It's like, Oh, the season's over already. Oh, okay. Thumb down. I, yeah. I'm, I'm fine over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining, I'm imagining the, uh, the sentient severed hand from, from, uh, army of darkness. Yeah. Um, and that's just like, it just falls over, you know, uh, I think that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I'm, I'm, I'm disassociated from my hand entirely. <laughs> <laughs> my hand is like, man, I'm tired of grading this show. Yeah. I can't do it anymore. I'm done I'm tapped out because it's just, um, yeah. it's another, it's another thumbs down for me. It's yeah. not like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go make a, make a picket sign and, and stand outside of uh, Lucasfilm studios, Yeah, um, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to, I'm just going to move on, you know? You know, and I think it's a good point to bring up because, and we'll, then we'll get into spoilers that I think you and I pride ourselves on really taking an opportunity to find the joy, find the things that we love, find the depth in this silly little space adventure, you know, series here. And I think in that, we also talk about the fact that it's inevitable. Not everything is going to be for everyone. You know, we've talked a lot about the various food analogies that you want to use of how Star Wars kind of is. Buffet, pizza toppings, ice cream, whatever you want to say. And I think that this show, in the first time in a long time, has just been one of those corners of Star Wars to where I just go, you know what? Just really not for me. And then I think it is kind of up to us to... Uh, or put our money where our mouth is, understand that these things might not be for us. Don't pound our fist and, and get super upset and berate those who love this show or love these characters or love this finale and just kind of be like, great, 
thrilled for you guys. Uh, our guest next week seems to have really liked this season, so we'll definitely get to have their perspective as well. Uh, but I think I'm at the point to where I get to practice that for a bit, you know, and just be like, it's not for me. I'm I'm so happy that it's for you. Uh, and then I'm just excited to uh, continue talking about the things that we do really like because there's so much fun stuff coming down the road. And uh, I don't like being mean to Star Wars. And this thing is just it really, <laughs> really tests my patience, Noah, sometimes. <laughs> I think I think that that's the main thing is I'm like walking away from this being like, oh, come on, man. Why are <laughs> Why? you making me do this? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, you know, I, that's I, I that's something that I'm thinking of. Obviously, we can we can get into it. Yeah. Um, I'll try not to make this point too long. But, you know, The Mandalorian is, is a weird show. Like you said, we've not talked about it in podcast form. So, like, I don't know if there. I don't know if there's like expectation necessarily for this kind of depth that we have found in other things, but even on like, if it's outside of that, you know, cause that's, that's kind of the comment I run into a couple times when I, when I talk to people who do like this is like, you know, you're, you're not like in watching this show, you shouldn't be asking for that much. You shouldn't be asking for that kind of, you know, that kind of analysis, that kind of depth. And I just, yeah. I, I think that there is an inherent depth in star Wars when it is, when it is done faithfully and, and done intentionally. And you can't say that someone created something without putting intentionality into it and without, you know, wanting to, to say something creative about it just to, you know, just to have everybody on the team that's making the Mandalorian say like, no, we just want it. We just want it to look really cool. We just want it to look really cool. We don't care what happens. We don't care whatever. That just seems, I mean, it just seems like a, like a misstep for me. So I, I, I don't think that it's bad that we look for this depth. I don't think that it's like asking too much that we're like wondering where it's at. Um, that's where I'm coming from in the sense of, you know, people that do enjoy this show, I totally understand if that's not, you know, the way that you enjoy star Wars, then great. I'm glad you like the Mandalorian, uh, because it doesn't offer that, you know? Yeah. I, I, I'm definitely am never going to be the type of person to tell other people that it's like, Oh, you just need to turn your brain off and enjoy it because I don't think that most if you told Favreau or Filoni this, like that very thing, I don't think that that would be seen as a compliment for them. <laughs> um, if that's the way that you're able to enjoy the show and you're able to go, you know what? I don't expect this show to offer a lot of depth and insight into religious fanaticism and cults and all of the, you know, and all of these pretty heavy fucking topics. I, I just tune in each week, get to see the pew pews, get to see these characters I really enjoy, and that's enough for me. God love you. That's excellent. I Again, it's just that's not my particular or your particular, I feel, flavor of Star Wars. I don't think it has to be either or. I think it can be both and. I think even the silliest of silly of Star Wars has a lot of depth in there. Um, I think that this show just seems to be a bit geared in a certain direction. Again, not absent of depth, not absent of themes. We've talked about them all season long. Uh, we've definitely acknowledging them. I, I'm not, or you are not one of those people to be like, mm, lazy writing anyway, you know, like we really try to dive in here and say, okay, what does this action say about these characters? What does it mean for their arc? You know, et cetera. And we're going to be talking about it still in this very conversation here. But if that's the way that people are enjoy it, you know, more power to you, turn your brain off and really enjoy it. For me, it's just, yeah, that's not 
it's not how I like to enjoy anything, let alone Star Wars, because this stuff is important to me. And I, I love these characters. And I don't think that that's what one, the creators are trying to do. And two, I don't think that that's what George had in mind when he uh, made yeah. this series. Very, so, very well said. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's go ahead and dive on in here. Uh, the episode title is titled The Return. Um, any uh, uh, speaking of depth, any uh, deeper meaning or deeper ideas here uh, with this title? Any uh, double meanings that you are able to uh, detect from the return? Well, here's the thing. This is the first thing uh, that at the end of the episode pisses me off. It's just the first thing <laughs> in, in a line of many things. Who's who's return? The return of who? The return of what? The return to where? I don't know, Garrett. I like I have some ideas that are like bonking around in my head, but I'm just like, I I don't know. Okay, spoilers. Obviously, you know we're we're in our spoilers chat now. Uh, flash forwarding to the end of the episode. Is it the return of IG Eleven? Because I don't <laughs> think so. But there's nobody else who really returns. We all get the same characters. Nobody's nobody's back. There's no reveals. Okay, the return to where to Mandalore? They were already there last episode, and they said they were going to reclaim their home. So, and that's what they did. Is, is that is that what it is? The return to what? I don't know. I don't know. Please enlighten me for the love of God. <laughs> I think it is kind of the return. Do you know what you think? What you're thinking of? It's the return to Mandalore in in earnest. Uh, although that they had like a small group there, they were mostly like a scouting party. So it, I wouldn't necessarily say like, you know, the Mandalorians have retaken Mandalore, even though that they were kind of just there and in a way never left. Some of the Mandalorians were still on Mandalore, but they didn't. They they weren't in control of things. They were just kind of there lurking in the shadows. So. I think the return is kind of that triumphant return of the Mandalorians to their home. You know, they restart again, just kind of jump to the end of the episode. They restart the forge and they, you know, reclaim what is theirs, what has been attempted to be taken away from them. Uh, and I think it's also this kind of return of a civilization uh, because Mandalorian has been splintered. Uh, the, the Mandalorian people have been, you know, broken off into these various factions. And as such there, that unification has been really lacking um, up to this point. So I, I really think it is. Yeah. Kind of a, it's, it's what you think it is. You know, it's a return back to Mandalore back as a people uh, under this one umbrella of, you know, we are all Mandalorians, no matter how different we are. Okay, yeah, um, bad episode title, uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> I hear you. It's fair. Yeah, um, I think as far as like other deeper meanings, uh, I, I think that this also has some uh, importance to Bo-Katan. Um, she is like returning back to her personal home, like this place. A lot of the people who are coming to Mandalore, they're not returning because they've never been here. You know, uh, when you've got Ragnar or whatever the hell that kid's name is, I think it's <laughs> yeah, Ragnar. It is. He's never been here, you know, um, as far as we know. So it's not really a return for all of them. However, for Bogotan, this is her home. And this is a place where she has fond memories. And for her to return as 
duchess i guess um right uh, yeah uh, perhaps um we don't we don't really know what that's all like are they still going to have a matriarchy i guess we'll see um but i think that yeah it is a, a real you know we're back for not just the mandalorian people but specifically for bo katan who it has been con- become you know cre- increasingly more aware this season is like really preoccupied with so yeah i would say that there is some double meeting there but i could definitely understand uh, some confusion for sure yeah i just and obviously not not trying to harp on this for too long we got a lot of episode to talk about yeah um it just feels a little hollow for me because the entire season so far we've just seen them jump from place to place in the sense of like they're at their desert cave and they're like no this is our home and we're and we like living here and then as soon as they get found out they're like great we got to move and then you know after this big event they're gifted a place to stay on navarro and they're like great we can finally settle down and all be together Thanks for the keys. Um, don't take your shoes off. We're going to Mandalore. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it it's I don't know. And and again, going back to a little bit of what we said, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel super triumphant uh, by the end of it. It doesn't sure. feel like a real reclamation, um, just because it's just kind of snap quick over. For um, sure. But, you know, I, I'll stop being mad about it. I think we should continue. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Uh, the episode begins with Bo-Katan uh, leading the Mandalorians to safety as they are being attacked by Moff Gideon's starfighters on Mandalore. Uh, Cries orders Axe Wolves to evacuate the capital ship and use it as a decoy to distract Gideon's forces. Uh, he, like, flies out of the cave and uh, cries and her, the uh, other Mandalorians exchange fire with Gideon's uh, Imperial uh, Armored Commandos. Uh, in the uh, tunnels and eventually use these thermal charges to slow them down. Uh, cutting back to Din Djarin, who was captured at the end of the uh, last week's episode, uh, breaks free <laughs> from his captors in Gideon's base uh, and quickly dispatches of them. Uh, coming to uh, his aid is, of course, Grogu, uh, who helps him by shooting down one of the commandos with IG-12. So the title for you is when you first were like, oh boy, you know, here we go again. <laughs> for me, this was this moment because this moment of Din Djarin breaking free from Gideon's captors at the very beginning of this episode, I need to make a list before we do it next week. But this is yet another, in at least my eyes, a plot point or a moment of intrigue where I have gone, hmm, interesting. I wonder what they're going to do with that. And the answer is not much. You know, yes. the, the 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 next logical step is to have this, I in my mind, again, kind of be an opportunity for, you know, now Grogu is able to rescue Din Djarin. It's going to be a real trial for Din Djarin. How is his caption, you know, his being, you know, captured by Moff Gideon? Like, what is Gideon going to do to him? Is he going to lure the Mandalorians to him? Is he going to make Din Djarin like you know, uh, uh, cast aside his helmet and like really denounce the way or like anything, you know, like I, I, I really is one of those things where it just kind of makes your mind wander and then nothing is done with it. And this was something that I I thought about because I was kind of like, huh, is this how people felt with, um, uh, with Snoke in the force awakens, right? Where people theorized for years, saw the movie, and Ryan Johnson said, I'm not as interested in that. We've seen that story. I'm going to go in a different direction. And my answer is maybe, but no. And I here's yeah, why. Yeah. Here's why. It's not, oh, I, I, I played this scenario in my head, and I think that my choices are more interesting than their choices. My frustration is, rather, I had some ideas in my head 
And their choice was to not do anything. It wasn't this, like with Ryan Johnson and Snoke, it wasn't this, and we're not going to get in a Last Jedi thing, but it, it wasn't like, you know what, we've seen people and these big luminous figures who have been corrupted by power. I thought this would be a unique opportunity to pull the rug out from fans, have the next successor be Ben Solo and have that great moment and that great reveal and, you know, tell a different story rather than big overall bad guy, smaller puppet bad guy. You know, that feels like a creative choice. Whereas in this moment, it's just like, and then he breaks free, you know, like it's, it's a, yet another example of this show setting up something, starting a narrative thread, and I go, hmm, that's really interesting. Where are we going to go with that? And the answer is we go nowhere. It's done. It's over. You know, I could literally list off these things again, but I'll probably wait till next week. I, I would actually very much appreciate uh, a, a list <laughs> next week because I'll tell you what, there are multiple moments in this episode alone uh, of that. And, and it yeah. began to, to frustrate me. I, I know exactly what you're saying this episode or this season so far. Um, but especially in this episode, there are a lot of things that are, Oh, maybe nah, scratch that, you know? And, and that's, and that's the way that it comes off really yeah. is, is less so just the unintentionality of, you know, Oh, I guess they're not going to do anything more so that it's like, well, why'd you choose to do nothing? You chose yeah. to do nothing yeah. when, when it was sitting right there in front of you. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's not a good feeling to, to well, jump into an episode. We, we with, talked you know? about that before is of like, it's, f I, I love being wrong. I love being surprised and watching a show and feeling like I don't know what is going to happen next. If you are going to zig when I expect you to zag, great, excellent. But go in a direction, do a different thing, you know, rather than just dropping the narrative thread and moving on. You know, if, if I expected this encounter to lead to Moff Gideon and to do all these things and it actually, you know, something completely unexpected happens. Great. But something I think has to happen. You know, it's just, it's a lack of a choice that frustrates me. Not the fact that I was wrong, if that makes sense. No, it makes it makes perfect sense. And like I said, there are multiple moments in this season. So yeah. I think that that's absolutely worth pointing out. Yeah. Uh, Din Djarin and Grogu uh, plan to take on Moff Gideon themselves to end the conflict. Meanwhile, back with a Bo-Katan, she leads her surviving warriors into a cave uh, while Din Djarin contacts her to inform her of their plan. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of the Mandalorians flee to the surface as Gideon's TIE bombers depart for their mission to destroy the remaining Mandalorian fleet. Uh, back at his command center, Moff Gideon receives news from a commando that the TIE interceptors and bombers have launched and believes that the Mandalorian capital ship will soon be destroyed. Uh, and it's here that uh, Moff Gideon learns that Din Djarin has escaped and he decides to deal with him himself. Uh, Din Djarin then contacts R5. Oh, can, I, can I can I can please. I interrupt just just a please, really quick do it, thing? Please. Um, well, first of all, uh, when the commando speaks, it's clear that that's not a clone of Gideon. Um, so I'll take that L. However, mm -hmm. we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to point out uh, just the sheer absurdity of Moff Gideon sitting in his little chamber, looking at his hollow screen. Yeah. And there's like a red dot and a green dot where <laughs> where Din Djarin and Grogu are. Exactly. Just in the and base. the green dot is like a little smaller than the red one. And yeah. it, it made me think of it made me think of the intro of Toy Story Two, where Emperor Zerg is like watching the dot on the screen. He's like, "Yes, come to me." And <laughs> I was 
was just like, this is so ridiculous. Like never before in Star Wars had they had something so just like, no, we really need to show this without saying anything. How are we going to do this? And it's the most like Incredibles-esque, like Toy Story 2 thing that you could think of. I just thought it was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, you could obviously ask those like random, you know, how is he tracking them? Are they wearing something? If so, do they get it off of them? You know, like any of those kind of questions, but it is Security cameras, man. Just cameras. Sure, I guess. (laughs) It's thermal, whatever. You know, I think it's funny that yeah, that uh, especially the fact that the Grogu one is like a smaller green dot. I was (laughs) like nice shot. Nice touch. (laughs) It's whatever. Anyways, continue. Uh, 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 Din Djarin then uh, contacts R5-D4 and instructs him to infiltrate Gideon's base and find the location of the command center uh r5 uses his rocket boosters to descend into the base which i thought was like oh so all astromechs uh, i assume have those features i remember you know for those like you and you and i for those prequel fans who are too young to remember attack of the clones this was a big deal People didn't like it either because then it made them rewatch, uh, you know, the original trilogy and be like, hey, probably would have been a good time to use that, you know, and like thinking of all of these uh, different uh, moments where that's able to happen. But did you like the fact that R5 and perhaps most astromechs also have these uh, rocket boosters? It wasn't just, a, a you know, <laughs> a modification <laughs> that R2 had made to himself. Yeah, I I think it's fine. Um, I think that it's funny that like a character like R five, um, who is who's so obviously you know nervous yeah. and and terrified is like you know he has to do this thing. Yeah, and 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 or in order to do so has to use his rocket boosters, but you wouldn't catch him doing it anywhere else because he's not the type. Right. I just that that's my little head cannon, and yeah. it was also here that I was like, you know what, I'm kind of excited for a droid story. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> it's I probably could, not I gonna could, happen now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, who knows? Who it knows? Could, it could. <laughs> there's still a Wikipedia entry, so uh, there's there's hope yet. Uh, I love that this uh, few episodes here have also had a trend of characters like either R5 being like afraid to fall off this edge or last week we had those like clone commander guys or the you know the the beskar armor imperial commanders or whatever like falling and then not using their jetpack and just like falling to their death and it's just like yeah because r5 kind of like peers over to the edge and he's like (laughs) i'm nervous it's like dude you literally can fly you just did it like if you fall you're gonna be okay (laughs) (laughs) whatever yeah i also it's i I wanted i wanted to mention it um oh we'll get to it there's a plot point where it's a little bit more relevant uh okay all right yeah uh so uh r5 uses these uh, 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 like he avoids these mouse droids that are uh, you know going around the the base here uh, and he accesses a network terminal uh, and then he uh, transmits a schematic of Gideon's base uh, as well as uh, the command center to Din Djarin. Meanwhile uh, Axe Woves tells the Mandalorian capital ship Bo-Katan cries his orders uh, to leave the capital ship behind as a decoy uh, Woves takes at the hel- uh, takes the helm while the other Mandalorians evacuate onto dropships in the gauntlet. So this part was the one that I wanted to mention. Axe Woves is able to take his jetpack all the way up to the atmosphere. Do mm-hmm. you think that, however many, um, how I want to see how how far up is the Earth's atmosphere? Let's it's got to be like a few miles at least. <laughs> um, it's uh, over 6,000 miles. It's 6.2,000 miles. So let's, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. So let's say it, Mandalorian's atmosphere is half of that. Okay, so it's about 3,000 miles. Let's say it's half. 
I just love the fact that earlier in this season, like the Mandalorians <laughs> were not able to follow a dragon. I don't know, maybe a hundred miles, and they ran out of fuel. Sure, sure. Axwolves fueled up his jetpack before they left. It's a big mission. You'd want to have all of your fuel before you went. I just think it's funny that earlier there everyone's tank was on empty. You know, <laughs> the kid gets kidnapped, and you know my favorite Paz Vizsla line: "I'm out of fuel." You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just you know that why because he flies up into space, Noah. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's cool as hell. First of all, it's sick. Uh, it's very cool. Yeah. Yes, I, I do think uh, my my personal headcanon is that Paz Vizsla is the kind of guy. Um, that uses diesel um, and Axe Wolves <laughs> is like, no, man, you got to get on that hybrid. Like you really, you should be looking into Axe like Wolves jetpack is like a hybrid. It's electric. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a, there's like a renewable, you know, source of energy. It's not fossil fuel. Yeah. Um, and he's got, I mean, he's got the Prius of jetpacks. Uh, yeah. He, he's mind. like, he's got his plugged in and, and Paz Vizsla is like, <laughs> hey, nice jetpack. And he's like, hey, you're not going to be laughing. This thing gets great mileage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what Paz is yours? Is like, like oh, seven yeah. to the gallon. <laughs> he's got he's got the Hummer of jetpacks, <laughs> the Humvee of jetpacks. Excellent oh, point. It, yeah. it is funny, but I you know what? Can't possibly be bothered. Uh, oh, I, I don't care. It's super pedantic. This isn't like a dig at the show. It does oh, of course, look, it of looks course. very cool. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's also that's the thing is, OK, I think that this is a better point towards that episode, the dragon episode, the fact mm -hmm. that they just need these things to happen in order to have an excuse sure. for the way they go about things. Because realistically, if I'm watching Star Wars and a guy's got a jetpack like why wouldn't he be able to fly all the way up through the atmosphere? Why not? Mm -hmm. You know, I, yeah. I don't know what the rules are. I don't know how much, you know, I don't know how much juice that baby holds, Yeah. but like, I got to imagine it's just, it'd be way cooler to do that. It just feels, you know, th that's more of a detractor on the dragon episode of like, well, they can't chase them all the way there. So what are we going to have to, you know, have them do while well, they sure. run out of fuel, I guess. Sure. So I think it's, it's interesting to bring up. Yeah. Yeah, I also, I mean, again, to be clear, I don't give a shit. I don't care. <laughs> I think it's funny. There's also probably a million other reasons why Axwove's body, he would pass out. He would freeze to death. You know, I'm sure there's a million. I'm sure the pressure alone would probably not be great. Um, I just, I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it is. Yeah, I, I think it's it's important that us as Star Wars fans are able to laugh at this dumb stuff because it's silly and dumb, most of it. Uh, but again, mm -hmm. it's it's not insincerity. It's, uh, there's other things to be more annoyed about in this episode, no? Uh, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this much right now. How yeah. much fuel does a Mandalorian jetpack have is like a top searched thing right now on Google. Is it really? Um, that's yes. great. That's so uh, good. And I'll, I'll just say right now, the range uh, listed on Wikipedia is one to five kilometers. So... Which is nowhere close. Just did the math, <laughs> Noah. <laughs> yeah. uh, Earth's yeah. atmosphere is around 10,000 kilometers. So Mandalorian just must have like a really small atmosphere. Maybe, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's got one tenth of the atmosphere. It's all those bombings and everything, you know. Bad there for the planet. Go. There you go. There you go. Uh, Din Djarin, Grogu, and IG-12. Uh, carcass uh, reach Gideon's command center, which is guarded by uh, armored commandos uh, with these red barrier shields, similar to what we saw uh, in the Phantom Menace. And then there's a very Phantom Menace moment where Din Djarin has to tell R5 to deactivate the shields one at a time on his command. Uh, and then there's this action, you know, set piece where he, he fights different like 
waves of these guys. This episode, this is one of the first moments, but this episode is like super video gamey. There are so many like video game moments. L literally, there's like a boss fight at the end with like smaller little enemies that you have to fight in between waves between you and the boss. And this was another moment of like, okay, the first guys have knives. The guys after that, they have, you know, shields and, and you know, these electro riot batons, you know, and then the next guy, you know, like, and then so on. They just get harder and harder. So what do you think of this uh, video game fight mixed with the Phantom Menace that Dencharin has to go through here? I, I think that it's actually, I mean, it's, I think at least in my opinion, far and away the best action of this season, um, or at least best combat, like, you know, choreography. Uh, I, I think, I mean, Din Djarin has proven himself to not be like nearly as capable as he claims to be, uh, just let alone like not in this season, but in this series as a whole, mm -hmm. he gets his ass handed to him way too often, like way too often. <laughs> um, but he's, he's, you know, very proficient here really yeah. um in a way that makes it at least exciting to watch um and it's and the structure of it being being different uh helps with that as well so personally it, it is my favorite action sequence of this season um i think that also the space fighting stuff looks really cool so that adds to this episode being yeah. at least one of the better like you know more more exciting tense 100%. 100%. Uh, episodes so Personally, very cool, very cool scene. I like yeah. the the setup of it, but I do think you're right. The boss fight at the end with that video game esque, like it made it made me think of like the Lego Star Wars fights, where like you yeah. you get him, you knock him down a heart, and then like he runs away and jumps up to where you can't get him. Hundred percent, and, it's and the same like thing. Two, you know, two super battle droids come out, and yeah. you're like, okay, gotta dispatch these guys real quick. Okay, we're yeah, back yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, funny. Literally the same thing. Uh, and yeah, a lot of the action I think in this episode is cool. I think that this moment is is neat i like the fact that those shields are kind of brought back in in a different way uh phantom menace it's it's not just like a tense thing to where like obi-wan is unable to get where he needs to go but there's also like a crunchy nerdy detail as to why naboo has those i like that they're more of like a security feature here i think that that's cool I, I, I like the fight. I think the the hand-to-hand -hand stuff is cool. Din Djarin throws a knife at a guy's, like, neck, which is neat. Um, and I like that he, like, takes a weapon away and, like, is able to use that. I think that that's cool. I wish there was a bit more creativity with the shields beyond just the you know, the, the distinction of the waves, if that makes sense. I wish they would have been a little bit more you know, claustrophobic or, you know, uh, even a cool kill or something to where, you know, Din has one guy like pinned down and he asks R5 to like reactivate the shield and like cuts his head off or something, you know, like just something a, a bit more of a, a creative inclusion or utilization of the shields I would have preferred because like guys fall into it and I expected it to kind of like you know, burn their arm or shock them or do something. And it's just kind of like a wall, um, which is fine. It's fine. Um, uh, so it, it's a good fight. I think it's just missing a few ingredients for myself to be in the same boat as you are. Uh, it's, it's not one of my favorite action beats of the season. And I think it's because it's, it's missing a few ingredients, but it is really, really cool. Yeah. And, and most of what takes it for me is the structure, just that like what we get throughout this series and the season alone um, is not it doesn't feel like there is an environmental aspect to any of the combat, any of the action. Sure. Unless it's like unless it's literally being in a spaceship, you know, um, yeah. when you get a lot of cool stuff there. But yeah, it's 
and part of it too, like I said, is Din Djarin actually showing that he can fight a lot of people um, yeah. because we don't see that a whole lot, or at least he just gets his hat handed to him quite a bit. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's I, I think it's very cool, but yeah, nothing super substantive, you know. Sure. Uh, the mouse droids uh, discover R5, uh, but he manages to escape with his rocket thrusters and even sends one of the mouse droids over the edge. I thought it was neat that we get to see that they have like little alarms on their head. Like they're, you know, they're like, wee, wee, wee. Like that was cool. I was <laughs> yeah. into that. I yeah. don't know if that's like standard issue or it's like a newer thing. I thought it was neat though. <laughs> it, it is neat. And it's like, it's funny because I was like, okay, that one droid is, you know, is going to go, is going to cause some problems, right? He's going to go like get somebody to come out there or like start yeah. an alarm or something. Yeah. He just gets more mouse droids and they're like, Hey man, they just like, yeah, they <laughs> just like off. run into him. They're just like punching him. I thought that that was really, that was right. Really but they, they can't do anything to him, you know? So yeah. I, I just, yeah. I thought that that was funny. It's a cute little, it's a little droid thing. We don't get a lot of droid stuff, yeah. you know? So fun. It's super fun. fun. Yeah. I, I recently watched uh, a new hope uh, with my girlfriend. It was her first time rewatching it since she's seen uh, all of the films. And she asked me what the mouse droids were for. And uh, we looked it up and they're like for like carrying messages and stuff like that. Like they like, you know, will have data or a card or something. Uh, they're also like for uh, even like cleaning. They're also like little Roombas too, which is what she assumed. She's like, are those just like little Roombas? And I was like, I don't know. And I looked at, I looked up <laughs> and I was like, they are kind of like little Roombas, but they also can like, you know, send messages. So I like that. We can also add security to them, which uh, is, is really cool. They have like little sirens on their head. I liked that a lot. <laughs> I, I do too. I do too. Yeah. Uh, Dindrarn, Grogu, and IG-12 walk into Gideon's laboratory, which is uh, full of tanks containing clones of Gideon. Uh, when one of the clones awakens, Dinjarn tampers with the controls, uh, causing the, tank the tanks to explode and spill out with water. We'll put a pin in that, Noah. We'll get to it because uh, there's some more Gideon clone stuff uh, uh, coming uh, very soon. Mm -hmm. uh, we cut back to the survivors, uh, the Mandalorian survivor, survivors with Bo-Katan, uh, and they go to this lush surface cave filled with plants uh, where they survived using um, hideouts and uh, and had like different food caches and all that kind of stuff scattered throughout Mandalore. Uh, the captain explains that they have had predators above and underground and that they used these kind of indigenous species to help them farm, uh, which have been dormant in centuries before the Mandalorian civil wars. Uh, Bo-Katan is like very surprised, had no idea that the planet could still grow life. And the uh, captain explains that the plants only need time uh, to grow. Uh, what do you think of this moment here where we get this kind of vegetative little corner that, uh, of Mandalore? I'm not happy, Garrett. I'm not happy. I'll tell you why. This is another thing where uh, they needed to get out of the caves. And so, you know, the, 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 the people that remained on Mandalore were like, we have a hideout. We can go there and we can, and we can take refuge there. And they're like, great, let's go. And so they go and then they get there. And then they're like, oh, let's have a really short conversation about this that could potentially be interesting to the, the history and the future of Mandalore. And what does that say about, you know, someone like Bo-Katan who sees herself as, as, you know, this shattered and broken and unable to be fruitful character. And immediately the armor is like, all right, we're back. And they're like, okay. And they just leave and that's it. <laughs> they're there long enough for her to be like, Oh, I didn't realize that plants could grow here. And they're like, yep. 
okay, refuge over, let's go. And it is so like, it is so absurdly frustrating to me that these are, that these moments are just sprinkled in, in the idea that like, I almost imagine that like in the writer's room for these episodes, they have this like this long, long laundry list of these ideas and they just have to pick and choose which ones they are able to include. And they just throw them in there just because they say, well, this would be important to at least see a little bit of. And that's all we get is just a little bit. And like, it's such a little thing. It's such a little thing. I don't need to be that upset about it, but like it's there enough, but not nearly enough to like actually say anything interesting. And it's frustrating because that idea is gone. It's, it's like, there's nothing important about it anymore. We're not going to see it again. It doesn't matter because we're moving on. We're moving on. And that's like that being a theme of this episode and this season in general is so frustrating to me. That's my rant. There you go. That's just another one. Just another one. I, I think I have a similar frustration that you have, not at this moment, but with this season as a whole. I like this scene. I think it's uh, thematically strong. I think I like what it has to say about the fact that, you know, these these species that were once considered, uh, you know, uh, endangered or like they didn't even think that they were able to grow on Mandalore. The the fact that, you know, they have left the planet. It's kind of how like nature is, you know, nature has kind of resumed. Life persists, they even say. And just like we see in the real world when, you know, conflict and all of these industry and all of these things kind of cease for a bit. We saw this a lot during the pandemic, like life and, and farms and all these indigenous species and everything kind of go back to the way that things were. I think it's very uh, uh, symbolic of kind of what's happening with the Mandalorians and that if they allow these you know, different civilizations to kind of work together, this life could, per, you know, persist. Like there, there could be this regrowth, if you will, or this, you know, uh, kind of new, uh, path forward for, for Mandalore. And I think that this vegetation and these plants and all of these kind of things are, are symbolic of that. So I like this moment. It is quite brief. Um, and it really is just kind of for them to be like, whew, Okay, you know, and then they kind of move on. I think, and maybe it would have fixed your issue with this, uh, and we'll talk about it more when we talk about the whole season, so I won't go into it too much. Uh, and in fact, there was another moment later on in this that I was like, that shouldn't have been in the season finale. That should have been in, like, episode four or five. You know, like, that to me is, like, a more interesting that would be the Snoke thing. I'll just mention it now uh, before we get there. Uh, and then I'll, I'll dive into some more thoughts. The, the Darksaber destruction yes. is an example of the Snoke thing that works. Of like this thing propped up to be super, super important. You're all wondering about who should, who, who's going to be Mandalore. Who's going to, you know, who, who got this there. And the symbol, you know, the symbolism and the, you know, it doesn't matter. It's crushed. It's broken now. Now what? To me, that's fascinating. The yeah. fact that it doesn't really have any impact on what we see for the rest of the episode, um, I think is, it's like, yeah, that's the point. But I would like to see the characters kind of get to that point. We'll, we'll uh, I'll elaborate more. However, my point is, to get back to my original point, like, I think that that moment, as well as this this plant life moment, in fact, this whole season, Noah, I think <laughs> this whole season season should have taken place on Mandalore. 
the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe the first couple episodes play out like they kind of expected to. Din Djarin goes there, blah, 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 blah. Bo-Katan, she goes there. Things aren't actually super fucked there. You know, we see the rest of the covert. They all get there. They spend the entire time on Mandalore, keep them there. And as such, they're kept there. What do they have to do? They have to work together. They have to squash the squabbling and these, this, you know, this uh, uh, symbols and who sits by the fire and who takes off their helmet and he's actually not your son so you have to take the creed and he's not able to say it and all these fucking dogmatic rules they have to work those out they have to work those out and work together to defeat this larger threat because that's so so late into the show and it's wrapped up in episodes that I don't feel like it is able to feel as like that triumphant victory like we talked about it doesn't feel like this clear arc it just is like hey knock it off guys we, we need to learn to work together and they're like all right you know and then they do <laughs> yeah like that's kind yes. of the end of it and i think that this moment here in the whether it be the dark saber or this garden area i think would have worked really well uh we'll, we'll talk more about it in the dark saber moment because that's probably one of my least favorite moments of the episode um but yeah i i think that this season would have been way better off and force these characters to interact, force these characters to grow and force the writers to focus, <laughs> yeah. focus on a thing and the story that you're trying to tell. If this whole season, for the most part, at least, you know, six episodes was on Mandalore, I, I think it would have been a vast improvement on what we actually get. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. And, and I hear what you're saying. Imagine if this moment with this plant life, with this, you know, really lush and, and growing place, imagine if that was juxtaposed with with these, you know, the conflict between these clans and saying, literally, I mean, they say it in this in this moment. He says, all they need is room to grow. That's all they need. And you're you're absolutely right that that this would have absolutely served that conflict as a juxtaposition, but we're already past that point. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they're matter. already working together. They're it already like matter. buddies. You know, there's been yeah. like no conflict about ideologies and you're not wearing your helmet. You're wearing like they had a scuff up playing chess and now it's over, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I totally agree. That's a, it's a much better way of, of really nailing down the, the upsetting thing here. I know that, you know, the brevity of this moment is, it just is because we can't, we can't spend, you know, a chunk of this episode hiding in a cave. We've got, we've got mm -hmm. shit to wrap up here. I understand, you know, so, but, but that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at is, yeah, it feels again, really hollow. A lot of these things just feel really hollow, you know? Sure. Uh, after this, we get a lot of action, Noah. Uh, after this, it's a, a you know kind of uh, pedal to the metal action. We get Bo-Katan as well as the armor um, in this aerial combat. Uh, the armor is using her hammers. Bo-Katan like triumphantly you know wields the dark saber and like commands this this force. Uh, what do you think about this? You know, jetpack on jetpack action. Excuse me, action that we get. Uh, it's hard to tell what what's totally going on the whole time but you get you get some pretty cool bits i do think that um this episode i think it leaves like it leaves a little bit to be desired uh in terms of you know real kind of tangible action um but i do think that you know with what we get it's it's serviceable for a cool sequence uh and i think i, I would at least be 
it would be remiss of me to not say that it does look really good visually. Uh, I think it like it mostly looks really good. Um, probably this episode is maybe the best that certain things have looked. Um, it's you know, I mean, what what else would you expect? You're not trying to blend. You're not trying to blend practical with with special effects. It's mostly special effects. But I think I mean it, it does the job. It looks pretty good. Um, so there's that part of it too. Um, it's mostly just cool. There's nothing that stands out really. Um, I think it's just kind of a, uh, it's a backdrop for what's going on and it feels like it's just, you know, we have to have these characters doing something. There has to be a big fight. So they're going to be off doing that. That's kind of it, you know? Yeah. I, I think you are right to point out the fact that I, I think one of the main reasons this looks so good, which I think it really does is it is entirely CG. Um, I think that this, season um i talked about it with the keller and beck stuff i think it's got a really difficult time of like comping stuff and uh, uh a lot of the green screen-esque sort of uh elements that are happening here i i don't think it looks as good when they shoot like a a you know a shoot a, a practical plate and then try to incorporate the cg it's not looked the best. I think that this being entirely digital looks quite good. Actually, I think my frustration isn't the fact that it doesn't look real realistic. I think it is what you had already talked about. It's a lack of clarity of space. I it's just people flying at each other. And then a, a, a shot of the armor smacking someone in the head with a hammer or Bo-Katan uses the sword or, you know, blasters and all that kind of stuff. It just, it's just like a million Mandalorians and they're flying in the air. <laughs> There's a million stormtroopers and they're, you know, it's, it's, it's so much. I think it lacks a sense of geography to it. I, I think it would have been helpful to have less clutter, less, you divert some of these forces to an aerial battle. I was a little surprised there wasn't much of that at all, that, um, the fact that the, the ties that we just see at the beginning, uh, that really cool shot where they kind of fall uh, off the, the ceiling, like bats almost, and then like all fly off, uh, from the hangar. They're just all kind of bombarding this shuttle. And then that's it. I would have preferred. And that's, you know, that's so star Wars, uh, to have like an aerial assault and then a ground assault and then more of like an isolated character assault. You know, that's like, that's pure Jedi or, or empire or whatever you want to say is like, you, you know, you've got your, your battle in space with Lando and then you've got Han and Leia on the ground. And then you've got Luke and Vader and it's in, in Pat, and Palpatine that's you know the real conflict I think something similar could have been happening for you know you've got this aerial battle with axe woves and you know whoever and they're flying their uh their their Mandalorian starfighters and you know there's pew 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 going on up there and you've also got jetpacks and all this kind of stuff so that would have really given this I think a sense of scale and uh like levels to the fight it also would have been like pure Star Wars uh I think just having everybody just fly at each other and then a few insert shots of the armor cracking someone over the head with a hammer is just like oh it's it's cool it's, it's it looks good it's cool i just think it's it's not quite as cool as i would have hoped it uh, to be yeah and, and that's you know there's not there's not a whole lot else there um it's it's cooler than a lot of the stuff that we've gotten again like i said very very action-packed episodes so you can't complain too much mm -hmm. um but you know fun is fun i suppose um when it doesn't really lend to moving things forward that's where it sort of breaks down for me like you said so you know is what it is you know yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good. It's just, yeah. it's, I, I, I think it didn't, 
I wasn't as swept up of being like, oh, wow, I can't believe I'm seeing this Mandalorian. You know, I didn't have that sense. It was just like, yeah, it's cool. You know, um, I don't think I was as emotionally swept up uh, in all of it. But uh, meanwhile, Din Djarin, Grogu and IG-12 uh, enter Gideon's command room and engage in a fight with Gideon, who, of course, is wearing the Beskar armor. There's got to be some sort of mechanical element to those two, because when he moves, he sounds like a Terminator. You know, it's like, you know, he's, he, there, there's something else going on there. He seems like he's like extra strong too so i wonder you know what's the deal what's the deal Moff yeah Gideon? I, I i think i had i think i might have uh called it i'm not going to take credit for that one uh i might have called it uh when we were talking about it is it you know an evolution of the dark trooper it feels like it kind of is that he's like yeah you it know, seems like it is yeah he's super cyborg enhanced whatever you want to call it uh but it's just kind of the armor being you know Super, yeah. super buff, I guess, uh, compensating, uh, in, in some way. So, I mean, it's, it's very cool. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then this is the video game moment that you and I were talking about is, uh, suddenly the Imperial Praetorian guards, uh, step out of the shadows, Noah, <laughs> literally behind a couple boxes <laughs> <laughs> and they join the fight and attack, uh, Din Djarin with their electro staffs, uh, and, and swords and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's cool. They look cool. I liked their look last week. It it is super video gamey. Take that for what you will. But it, it's I thought it was funny that uh, it was like yet another video game moment to where like you had mentioned with Lego Star Wars. It's like you knock down one heart, one little health bar, and then it's like okay, you know he he flies our way or you know jumps backward, and then the other little cronies come in and you have to beat them up before he comes back, and then you have a quick time <laughs> event. You know, it's just it really seemed like. I don't God of War, Jedi Survivor, whatever you want to say. It's just like, oh man, I've seen that a million times in video games. Yeah, yeah. Now I I wonder, let me ask you this. Do the Praetorian guards in this scene, do they only serve to separate Grogu from Din Djarin? Because my my like I guess my my curiosity here is wouldn't wouldn't Moff Gideon when he says like I'll deal with them myself would he be the kind of guy to be like no back off he's mine you know I'll deal they with just... them myself and some other people too <laughs> yeah like that's the thing is he kind of just is like all right now my now my boys are here like get them get them mm -hmm. boys I, I don't know it's just like and there's no there's no attention called to it. It's just they're there because they're, you know, they're menacing and it's it, it's, you know, a difficult trial for for Din Djarin. And then obviously they they end up taking care of Grogu. Um, but it's just I don't know. It it was it was interesting to me that they come in at this point where, you know, that's necessary, you know. I don't have like too much of an issue with it. I think we've seen it before. Uh, for example, like like we had mentioned earlier, the only reason those shields exist in Phantom Menace is to get Obi-Wan separated from Qui-Gon. You know, the only reason that those super battle droids come down the stairs and fight with Obi-Wan is to like get Obi-Wan a bit isolated from Anakin. That way Dooku can knock him out. The only reason, you know, that Anakin runs into the fight is because he's headstrong and, you know, okay, we incapacitate him, Obi-Wan, you know, that kind of thing. So like I get that, that there is a utility to having them there. I don't think that that's a problem for me because that's just 
to me, that's kind of what screenwriting is, is, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I know I want this beat to happen. How can I make it logically make sense there? So that wasn't a real issue for me. Um, and I think that the stakes are there to where, like, we saw what they did with Paz Vizsla. We've seen Din Djarin fight Paz Vizsla earlier, um, last, or in the Book of Boba Fett. So we know that they're like, you know, he's a formidable opponent. It's not like he's some schlub. Uh, so I, I think it does have some stakes there. So I, I liked the moment. It didn't just feel like, ugh, okay, here we go again. We need to have this thing happen. So, you know, here's this because plot, you know, it didn't really feel yeah. like that for me. I, I think that that's fair. It's just, I, w as soon as Bo-Katan enters the fight, that's kind of what went through my head in terms of, you know, Moff Gideon seems like the kind of character that if he was facing two on one, then totally. he would, he would be a little bit more sly and be like, okay, boys, you know, now, you know, now I have my backup and then, Dinjarn would need to, you know, leave and protect Grogu and deal sure. with that. You know, so was, I just thought that that was interesting. Again, with yeah. that mindset of like, kind of is like a video game. It just, what, what's Moff Gideon doing? He's just watching. Like, he's just like, ha right. ha ha ha, you know, like yeah. just off on the side. I don't know. It was just funny. Yeah. It's again, not, not like a huge issue, but yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the, the thing was funny is that you already brought up was the fact that he's like, I'll take care of him myself. And then also with the aid of some other people, if things go south. <laughs> yes, exactly. And they, and they're like, they would definitely take care of him. There's three of them, you know? Yeah. So exactly. In, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you had already mentioned though, that, uh, Bo-Katan enters into the fight. She just like dunks <laughs> like on the head. She like really, really comes in there hot. Uh, and then, yeah, of course she tells, uh, Din Djarin to go after, to, to save Grogu and then Gideon and Bo-Katan have a fight. Uh, Gideon throws Bo-Katan against a wall, demands that she hands over the dark saber. Uh, meanwhile, we see Din Djarin, who is, you know, fighting with Grogu, who's jumping from like edge to edge using the training uh, that uh, uh, Luke was able to give him. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you know, Axe Woves is in the, the ship, shoots out the window, flies out the side, which I thought was was really great. Um, so what do you think of this kind of uh, so many things kind of chaos happening? Did that add to the suspense for you? I think it works. It feels, I mean, real, really like the episode is not that long. It's shorter than the previous two that we've gotten. Um, but it feels like a lot is accomplished in terms of, in terms of like actual measurable, where do things go sequentially, you know, what happens here along mm -hmm. with these other things at the same time as this other thing. Um, it doesn't feel, I, I think that by far, there are moments in this episode, not the whole thing, not going to give it that much credit, but by sure. far, this episode has like better pacing um, than other episodes with these action beats. It doesn't feel like we're jumping into something and then we have to slow down for something else. It does feel like everything is kind of keeping up with, with itself. Um, so I appreciate that. And I, and I like when things are easy to keep track of like that, when you have these huge action set pieces, like you had mentioned with something like return of the Jedi, it's such a good comparison because it's so easy to follow what's going on. Granted, mm -hmm. the pace there is a little bit different. You have that, you know, a little bit quieter moments and, and more drawn back, more tense moments with Palpatine and Luke and Vader versus what's going on out the window. Um, but I think that this does a good job of, of pacing everything a little bit more neatly than we've seen from this season before, you know? Yeah, I like this moment. I think it does add to the tension of everything. It feels very chaotic. It feels like, you know, our, our heroes don't really have control of everything that we're seeing. 
Um, uh, I like that. And then, you know, it cuts to X-Woves who like just yeets out the window and then you get this <laughs> giant, you know, uh, Imperial uh, uh, shuttle or whatever it's called. Just like like a dagger into this base. It's just, it feels so monstrous and, and, and chaotic. I also like seeing, you know, Grogu using Luke's training, which I thought was, was really cool that he's using his, the forces defense, like consistently throughout this fight. Absolutely, I thought that, that was yes. really great. He's not like choking these dudes out and throwing them and killing them. You know, it, it really does feel like he's evading them. He's even like laughing and giggling at one point, um, uh, which I thought was uh, really great. Yeah, no, that's and I think that that's a huge thing to point out because it's very clear knowing that, I mean, this episode really is the point where the the writers have remembered that Grogu can use the force um, and and does so eloquently, uh, does so gracefully and, and, and defensively in a way that that actually is meaningful. Um, and yeah. that, I feel like that fits really well. That's one of the things that, I mean, I, I suppose I sort of got my wish, um, was that at the, at the beginning of the season, I really wanted Grogu to have more agency and be able to, to make those choices, discernible choices of, of protection and defense and this and that. Uh, and that's exactly what we see. So cannot complain there. I think it's done really well, actually. Yeah, it's a really good moment, and uh, uh, I just love seeing Grogu just hopping around. Just yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> these like super badass Praetorian guards, and he's just is just like child's play to him. I thought that that was uh, really great. Uh, we then cut back to uh, uh, Bo-Katan and her fight uh, with Moff Gideon, and you know this uh, bad guy yelling at good guy, and oh, you should have given up when you had the chance, and you know, all this kind of you know nonsense that we're getting, and then uh, Grogu eventually jumps in and hurls Gideon's electro staff down the edge and uh the the ship you know careens into the entire base and Gideon is consumed by this giant explosion you know eventually like even his own ship in a way that was like taken and stolen away from him Grogu is uh using the force to of course protect everyone from this fire and uh really using it to protect these different different definitions of kind of what a Mandalorian can be, which I thought was really nice is that you have two foundlings, one of which is like an ex jet, an ex Jedi an, an enemy of the Mandalorians. One of which who is like a member of this cult. And then Bo-Katan who is like a pure Mandalorian who doesn't believe in this way. Uh, I thought the fact that, you know, all three of them were there being, you know, uh, united under one cause being protected by the force. I thought was a really nice moment. Yeah. And, and I like that, you know, Bo-Katan in her fight with Gideon says like, we're stronger together. That is, you know, if we're talking about like where, where this show is really, you know, trying to, to get points to, you know, the themes that we have so far, I think that this, this moment is an excellent summation of that because they do really well together. They work better together than they do separately. And Grogu is as much of a part of that, um, yeah. as, as Bo-Katan and Din Djarin are by themselves, which is, I, I think it's very, I think it's very telling. Um, and it's even if it's not very subtle, it's very poetic um, of this yeah. this ending uh, Moff Gideon's uh, ultimate end uh, versus their kind of survival and, and what saves them, you know. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I would ever uh, criticize Star Wars for being too subtle. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it hits the nail on the head a lot of the times. I did want to ask, though, do you think that Moff Gideon is, of course, uh, dead? Do you think he's actually met his demise here? I would imagine so. Dude's not there when the fireball's gone. Um, 
and uh, I don't know, looked pretty hot in there. I know I don't like that much heat. Uh, I like a cool 80 degrees, maybe. Uh, so I would imagine he was probably toasted, probably cooked. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like anything. If the writers want to bring him back, they can. He's been cloned. There's DNA. Somebody could, you know, Pershing's still out there kicking around. Uh, you, you know, you've got um, Lieutenant, what's her name? Uh, she's probably got, you know, some of his juices, some of his, you know, Gideon Something juices. Like that. Yeah. So if they wanted it to happen, it probably could happen. I just think that it is, it's interesting that they brought him back in this way. And his death, uh, and and the destruction of the lightsaber or the dark saber, which I forgot to mention, uh, they they destroyed the dark saber. No, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> um, th- th- those two th- elements being in this season, it's just really it just kind of amounts to not being a whole lot. You know, are you are you saying that it doesn't feel deserved? Are you saying that it doesn't feel like this season has earned it uh, very much? Uh, yeah. Or, or yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, like Gideon is brought back, and it's it's another element that I had kind of mentioned earlier of like a list of things that they go. You know, actually, Gideon broke out of prison, and he's back, and he's he's he, he's doing bad shit out there. And it's like, okay, interesting. What's that? Oh, Beskar armor. Okay, interesting. Could there be, you know, a uh, uh, conspiracy afoot? It's like, nah, he just had Imperial uh, Beskar wearing stormtroopers, and they broke him out. And see, he wants to just keep doing bad guy stuff. So he's also, that, I, I, might, I might as well mention here, uh, yeah, if we're going by the like, what, you know, what, how are we going to write this in? How are we going to make this work? Um, if we're going by that, I don't know how all of the Imperial guys got their Beskar armor. The forge wasn't lit. Nothing was going on. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get too much into it. It's just one of those things that's like, yeah, it just, it just happens, you know? Yeah. Moff Gideon's got to be here. So he is. He, you want to have, you know, evil Mandalorians or, 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 you know, the, the opposite of Mandalorians fighting Mandalorians. They just yeah. do. They're just there. Um, and then it's not, and then it's all not there. It's all gone. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I can't get behind it. I can't make it work in my brain, you know? Yeah. I think I'm just right now. I just don't understand. My thing is, is like, if you're going to bring him back, fine. If you're going to bring Palpatine back, fine. If you're going to bring Darth Maul back, fine. If you're going to bring Boba, Boba Fett back, fine. You know, it's not that it's more of just kind of like, what are you going to do now? Like that's more interesting to me beyond Ooh, how did Gideon break out of prison? Who did that? How did Boba Fett survive? How did Darth Maul survive? How did Palpatine survive? Like, I don't really care. It's just more of like, okay, you're making a creative choice to make a character return. So like, what are you going to do with it? And Moff Gideon, he doesn't make any of these characters recognize something about themselves. He might as well just be anything. He might as well be any figure who's using the minds of Mandalore to make his own army, the clone thing, even I'm like not super compelled by, cause you know, it's not going to work, right? Like it's not even the Palpatine thing, which we'll talk about because it doesn't make sense, <laughs> but it's like the whole fact that I'm like, yeah, dude, I know that you can't clone yourself and inject yourself with metachlorians or metachlorians and just suddenly wield the force. That's not how it works. Like, it just it, we know this about Star Wars, so it doesn't really feel like a super suspenseful tense. The stakes don't feel as high. I'm not like, uh oh, 
you know, he's going to make a force army. That sounds pretty spooky. What are you going to do about that? It's just like, yeah, even if he did, let him, nothing's going to happen. They're going to wake up and they're not going to be able to use the force or they might be a bit, have better reflexes. Maybe, you know, it's just like, that's not super important to me. And then you've got the Palpatine side of things, which I'm confused by. I'm sure Alex Dame will have a great video about it, but I'm just kind of like, if Palpatine's dead, they know that, right? Palpatine's been dead by this point. Dude sent his essence into a clone, into the unknown regions and Exegol and the Sith cultists and all that stuff. Been done. He, he, he's been doing that for a while. You know, he's probably in the clone right now. The little zygote, probably. <laughs> like, what is Gideon's research going to? You like, know why what are I mean? we messing like, around with this? If it's being done, why are we messing around with this? You would think it would be earlier. Like, if this was happening during the Bad Batch or something like that, makes sense. It is kind of happening during the Bad Batch, at least, you know, some form of it. There's some form of cloning going on there. Makes sense. You know why? Palpatine's fucking alive. He's still alive. <laughs> this research has relevancy towards him. He's dead now. He would have already sent his consciousness to a clone in some form or another. So I'm just... It, it probably is just a failure of me to like know exactly what this is happening. Again, I don't really care. That's not why I love star Wars is to, you know, put all these pieces of the puzzle together and, you know, uh, well actually, you know, the, you know, I don't give a shit. It's fine. It's more about like, okay, what does this character mean? What is, what is his importance to our protagonists? How is he going to affect change in them? And I fail to think of anything other than there's a bad guy and the Mandalorians have to unite to beat him. And that's, that's really all I've got so far. It could literally be anyone. And I don't see why it has to be him. Yeah, no, I, I think that you're right. And I think that, you know, because we're in a, in a place where the main character that we are, you know, watching from the perspective of, and these characters, all the characters that are involved don't have, uh, they don't have the perception of the bigger stakes. We can, you know, we have to be the ones to separate that and, and look at it and say, okay, what does this mean? And if it doesn't line up for us, what's frustrating is that obviously the creators are intending to have this all kind of connect into one larger yeah. thing, one bigger idea, but it doesn't matter for the characters that we're watching. It doesn't matter for the protagonists. So there has to be that sort of that dual reason. Yes, bad guy. And he does bad things and he's mean, mm -hmm. but you know, ultimately if you're going to say that this needs to connect for the audience's sake, not for the protagonist, but for the audience's sake, then you're working really hard to just ultimately kind of just come up with bunk. It's just, it, it's, it's very odd. It's very odd. And so I, odd. I like, I can't, I can't really blame it because like we've been seeing this coming from a long way off. And so it's like, great, we kind of finally got the answer and that's the end of it. And that is the end of it, truly, kind of. Um, but the fact is that like even still by the end of it, it still just doesn't it wouldn't have mattered anyway. And the and the creators have stated that, well, uh, so much for that thread. So we're done, you know? Yeah, I just I. I I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but uh, I don't want to beat a dead Gideon here, but I just don't, I don't really see like a, a, a crazy importance to his inclusion into this season. I just don't get it. I don't understand. Like it's, it's, I don't know. It's weird. No, it's, it's, it's weird. So strange. It's yeah. really strange.
the armor holds a ceremony at the Living Waters following the battle, uh, where we see Ragnar swearing uh, the way of the Mandalore uh, to follow the Mandalorian Creed. I guess last time he didn't get to finish, so this time he, he actually gets to do it for real. Is oh, that for because proper. a big monster came out of the water and, then a and big interrupted? Monster came. <laughs> <laughs> well, because here's the thing: they're doing it in a place where there's a big monster that I was come expecting out of water. something else to also happen, or him to fall down that chasm too. Hopefully, but they put like a you know a little shower mat under there you know like one of the grippy ones yeah you uh, need the grip man you need that grip there's honestly. like a sign on the wall it's just like you know it's a you know like a pool <laughs> no lifeguard like, on duty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pool like thirty thousand feet deep or whatever it ends right. up right you know. uh ragnar uh, swears uh, the way of the Mandalore, the uh, armor, then baptizes him, stating, this is the way. Uh, Din Djarin arrives with Grogu, and he's like, hey, me, me too, add him to the song. But she says that Grogu's too young. He's not his son. Din Djarin's like, I'll make him my son, goddammit. He's my son. And she's like, all right, pretty cool. He's now he's now uh, uh, Din Grogu. And they're like, yay. Yay, Noah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. What'd you think of this? <laughs> it's, you know what? It's, yeah, um, it is. That's what it is. It just, it happened. And um, does it change things? Uh, no, <laughs> it doesn't. Um, does it matter? Not a whole lot. Uh, he's still, they still are Din and Grogu and, uh, and they're going on adventures and this is, yeah, it's just, I, again, like, I just don't, I'm so tired. I'm so, I'm so <laughs> worn <our> out. <laughs> I'm so worn out by like these things happening that I'm told are, are, you know, the show is telling me like, yes, get excited. It just, we did it. And I'm like, what, what, what? What do we do? What? Okay. Um, did I miss something? I, I don't know. Uh, so there's that, um, on the bright side, uh, it did make me, make me think that, uh, I, I did just finish, uh, watching the last of us yesterday, which is really awesome. It's a good show. It's a and better that, show. <laughs> that's, that's all that's on my mind. I was like, Oh, he's officially a dad now. Um, was that, that was just kind of an unspoken thing. Like we had to, we had to get that in writing. Well, like, see, yeah, that's more of the thing is like the armor literally calls Din Djarin his dad. Like what changes? And it, the thing that frustrates me the most, Noah, is like, this could be a really <laughs> sweet moment. This could be a nice moment. This show, and I'll get to it more in the next scene. Cause it frustrates me even more. This show has consistently brought up the fact that these rules and this dogma is like stifling the same way that what happened with the Jedi in the prequel era. And this moment is just Din Djarin just bending to the knee of that again. He's just yeah, well, like, even, he's just he's like, no, you can't take the creed. Uh, he's, he's not your son. And he's just like, well, what if he was my son? And they're like, this is the way, man. And it's just like, you think Din Djarin would be like, fuck this. Fuck you guys. I just... Like, I just won this all for you. And you're going to say that this guy who also helped isn't a Mandalorian. It's just like, it's yet another example of the rules and the, 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 the processes and the red tape of everything that I'm just like, are, is this not a theme of the show to like criticize the, how stifling these rules can be, especially in a religion like this? Like, is that not what we've been doing? Why? What a weird moment to practically end the show on is that they're just continuing 
to, you know, he's practically taking communion, you know, you're like criticizing <laughs> all this stuff. And he's just like, you know, and, and another Hail Mary. It's just weird. It's so weird, Noah. It, it is weird. And here's the thing that bothered me is uh, aside from that, yes, if we're going with the idea that these rules are stifling and that, and that this dogma has gotten in the way and has blinded people uh, to, to, you know, the reality of, of their importance to each other and this entire relationship, what's so weird is that he's like, all right, Grogu's going to take the creed. And the armor is like, no, man, he can't. He's t- he can't, can't speak. Therefore, he can't take the creed. And he's like, okay, well, if his parent consented, then he'd be able to, right? And she's like, yeah, I guess that's in the rule book. Yeah, it is, actually. Forgot that. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's in the rules. And he's like, okay, um, well, you know, then why don't we get his parents to? And she's like, well, you can't. His parents are, you know, he doesn't have any real parents. And he's like, well, okay, but it is also in the rule book that that (laughs) I can adopt him. And she's like, yeah, that's, yeah, totally it's in the rule book. And he's like, okay, great. Then I adopt him and he takes the creed then. And she's like, oh my God, oh shit. Yeah, I guess that all works out just fine enough. It's just this weird, like, the rules are stifling air yeah. quotes but in like at the same time it's just like okay so there's a workaround for that she's like yeah i suppose there is and just the whole time they're not actually stifling it's just the fact that it's like this red tape that that is as thin as one ply toilet paper and has no effect on the you know the ultimate choices of these characters yeah. the fact that you know he can walk in and be like i want him to take the creed and she's like nope <laughs> no way not happening and then yeah. like over a, a two second discourse, she's like, Well, I guess that makes sense according to the rules. It's so mind bogglingly just like not thought out in a way that just feels it just feels so wrong to, it's, to uh, yeah. It, it's so not thought out to the point that I feel like I'm I'm losing my mind. That I'm that's like, where we that's is exactly this, where is, I started. Is this <laughs> not a theme of the show? Like I, I I've been so wrong this whole time. If, <laughs> yeah. if Favreau and Filoni are not criticizing the children of the watch, if they don't see them as a problem, I, I don't know if they're being tone deaf or I'm being tone deaf, but like, it's totally fair. If this show is like, you know what? Religion, uh, religious practices, religious fanaticism, uh, all that stuff, super heavy. It's Star Wars. Like we might address it kind of like a little glancing blow, you know, but we're not going to like dive head on into it. That's fine. I don't need it to. But the fact that it like, it does bring up these points, Noah, it does bring up these ideas of these people who are in this cult that the show calls them. We didn't initiate that. They call them a cult. And the fact that it's some big, like, hooray, like moment didn't, you know, Grogu is in a cult now. Like what? You know, like that's, (laughs) that's your happy ending here. A lot of, I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, what a happy ending for this show. And I'm just like, how, you know, like how is Din Djarin still falling back in love with this dangerous gatekeepy cult, a good thing for him? Like, again, if you want to do something different, that's fine. But I just, I, I refuse to believe that people watch this show and say, no, that's more interesting to see him just be redeemed. And that's it. Like, I think it's far more interesting for him to be called an apostate, to be cast out of this 
and then come to the point to realize, no, I'm a Mandalorian because it's who I am. It's the type of person that I am. And I thought that that was like a theme of the show with the Darksaber and all that stuff. But the fact that the Darksaber is just destroyed and no one seems to give a shit, it's just kind of like, was this ever important? You're telling me it's important, but I'm not seeing how it's important because as Din Djarin mentioned, half the people that you guys are commanding over don't even know what it is. And like, what's the symbolism? Like, again, it's so many things that are brought up into the show and I'm getting frustrated now. <laughs> it's so many things that are brought up in the show and I'm like, bring them up and then do something with it. Like, why are you painting this picture of this like stifling gatekeepy cult? And then Din Djarin is just like, I'm redeemed. Okay. I'm welcome back with open arms. Cool. Now. Great. That's a moral victory. It's like, it's really, really not, you know, like, and I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that Dave Filoni above anybody is like telling this story because he's kind of told the story before. Oh, you mean Ahsoka. when Ahsoka was cast yeah. away from the Jedi exactly. and then when she was welcomed back with open arms, she was like, right. no, you guys are fucking liars. <laughs> you guys are so awful. Exactly. <laughs> it's so, it's so fucking backwards. Yeah. It does not like, I cannot, I can't stress yeah. how like 100%. I'm, I'm watching this and I'm like, you're, we're really just okay yeah i guess we are great we're just gonna yeah. drop it we're done okay yeah. i'm i just can't yeah I can't. it would be the I'm same t- thing as if in clone wars ahsoka gets framed they're like you're a murderer like we're <laughs> going to put you in prison and she's like actually i'm innocent and they're like our bad anyway do you want to be a jedi and she was like yeah i do and then it ended <laughs> on like a looney tunes ass fucking like circle ending <laughs> like that's all folks like that's the same thing it's so so weird like that we're back at ground zero here i feel like nothing has evolved with these characters let's, let's continue to, to talk about the plot and then we'll get yeah, into some of these bigger to... issues it's it's so weird noah um uh, the armor tells Din Djarin that he must, you know, now leave Mandalore, go on his journey, just as his teacher did for him. The forge is rekindled. The Mandalorians are like, yeah, for Mandalore. And then we see the mythosaur who like winks at the camera and they're like, I'm still down <laughs> here too. Uh, we also see the armor hand book, uh, book tan, uh, the light to the great forge, which, you know, the, the is reignited and everything is, is great and wonderful. Uh, we see Din Djarin fly the N1 starfighter to, um, Alphi base where he and Grogu meet up with Carson Teva. Carson Teva asks Din Djarin if he wants to drink and Din Djarin's like, no, I'm driving. And Grogu is there too, eating chicken nuggets. And uh, uh, Din Djarin asks to be employed by the New Republic as an independent contractor uh, to hunt down Imperial remnants in the Outer Rim territories on a case-by-case basis. Um, Carson Teva's like, mm, it's hardly irregular, but why not? You know, and he asks for his only payment is to uh, take the IG assassin droids head as advance payment. Before we go back to Navarro, I'm going to plot. I'm going to pop a blood vessel, Noah. The fact that again, <laughs> it's another moral victory for Din Djarin to now be employed by the new Republic. The very body that this season up to this point has not painted in a super strong light that every time the the new Republic has been brought up, the creators have been like, I don't know. seems like they too are also also kind of stifled by red tape and are also pretty gatekeepy. You're not on our registry. Sorry. We're not going to come help you. Um, also we torture our patients too. You know, like we use the same Imperial tech that, uh, the same tech that the Imperial Imperials used. And then it's again, another moral victory for Din Djarin to be like, Hey guys, can I come work for you? And they're like, yeah, 
what? (laughs) (laughs) And so what you're saying is this would have been, this would have been a better decision if it was more nuanced, even by the fact that maybe Din Djarin was like, you know what? I can't do this cult thing anymore. I need to figure out what I'm doing. And you know, it would have been a more nuanced decision. Like, oh, well, actually, you know, we know as the audience that the New Republic is not as, it's not as clear cut as it might seem. And there is red tape there. And there is, it's just another one of those things. And, and you know, he's he doesn't quite know what he's getting into and this, this and that. And, yeah, you know, uh, but no, it's, you know, we're just, that's where we're at now. And uh, again, asking the question of, okay, well, if you're going to be a legitimate father, right? If you're going to be a father now that you've adopted Grogu, what kind of life do you want to lead? Uh, let's just say, let's tone it down with the missions that might get him killed. We'll just be a little bit more selective and Grogu will continue to uh, put himself in life, thre- life threatening situations. And Din Djarin will continue to allow that to happen. And we will continue to live a life of violence for a infant. Um, you know, Sure. Sure, man. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I can't think of anything better because <laughs> what do I know? Nothing, apparently. Everything yeah. is wrong and I don't care. You know, I don't necessarily like my ideal for Din Djarin is not like, oh, yeah, he sits in a cabin and drinks, you know, bone broth. And that's like how he spends the rest of his days. Like, I understand that you want to see the Mandalorian do cool stuff. Like, that's fine. It's just, it's so strange that they're now like, oh, he's working for the New Republic. That's a good thing, right? And it's like, I, it's cool that he's able to like hunt down Imperial remnants on a case-by-case basis, meaning he'll probably be like, no, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that mission, you know? So it's not like he's has no autonomy and he's just doing what he did when Grogu was gone is just taking job after job after job after job. Cause that's what he's good at. He didn't really seem to have a purpose beyond that. I just think it's weird that they are kind of regressing the character back to that state. Yeah. You know, when yeah. he, when Grogu was gone, like I thought he would want to help develop Mandalore would want to be a part of that would want to like settle down and like start this family with Grogu and like be on Navarro and in, and like fight for something that he believes in rather than just the new Republic saying, Hey, go do that. And he's like, okay. You know, like that to me, again, another example of this thing of like the show starting this narrative thread of being like the new Republic. It's good. I'm glad that it exists, but they also have some problems and it's just like, okay, cool. What are you going to do with that? And they're like, we're going to have the protagonist work for them. And that's how (laughs) we're going to end the show. And it's going to be a good thing. And I'm just like, then what was the rest of that for? What are we doing? You know, I don't think I've ever gotten as like frustrated or angry watching this show or, uh, or discussing this show, but <laughs> it just truly is like, I feel so blindsided of like, I thought we were doing this thing and I'm not even close and it's making me question everything that I know about the show, but not in like a good way. I feel like it's necessary to point out you're not the only one. Um, I also have seen a lot leading up to this episode. We don't have to get into it. I think it's better a, a better discussion for our season recap, but things with the armor, I know that you had your you know your suspicions, your doubts. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, leading up to this episode, everyone, everyone on social media was also like, who is it? Who's it going to be? Is it going to be the armor? Is it going to be, is it going to be, you know, Costco Reeves? Is it going to be Axe Woves? Like there's somebody, right? But a lot of people were talking about the armor and no, you know, just no, no, nothing, nothing interesting. Just no. Um, just again and again, really dropping the ball, but in such an 
it, it feels like it's intentional, but I know that it's not. Um, but I can't help but wonder if it is, you know, I, I just, know. I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm hurt. You know, I just don't get it. I don't get yeah. it. I, I understand the importance of red herrings that if you're setting up the armor and then, you know, it's like this, uh, you know, sleight of hand, pay attention over here while I'm actually doing this thing. Great. That's cool. That's, that's really smart. You should do <laughs> just that pay as attention a over here while I'm doing nothing. Else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like just waving your hand and then putting it down and you're like, what was that? And you're like, Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> magic. 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 <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> Fucking weird, man. Uh, Dinjarn visits grief. Karga gives him the, uh, IG 11 back. Who's now the marshal, which, I thought was so funny the fact that Caradun <laughs> has been completely written out of the show and has been you know replaced by a reprogrammed Taika Waititi is so funny yeah uh, to yeah. me uh, and then the show ends with him at a cabin uh, with Din Djarin watching Grogu levitate a frog and there's this circle uh, transition ending which I think is funny and very silly uh, whatever um, season three Noah of the Mandalorian is now over um, I think you and I will have lots to discuss uh, when it is time inappropriate. I'm going to lay down and take a nap because this show frustrates me. It exhausts me, Noah. Well, I'll tell you what. It's over. Um, and the best thing that I can say about it right now, because I, I too am frustrated. I think the Ahsoka conversation really, <laughs> that one really got to me because it's so clear. But anyways, yeah. uh, the, the, the most that I can say is um, Visions Volume 2 comes Hell out yeah, in brother. a few short Hell weeks. Yes. Hell yes. And that's where I'm at, man. That's where yeah. I'm at. You know? Hell yes. Yeah, I, I I think lots of cool Star Wars stuff on the horizon. Uh, we're also planning on talking about or looking back on some shows that I know you and I really love. So I'm very excited to dive into these things that I think we don't know about Survivor for sure. I have a hunch it's going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just not for me, man. The show's just not for me. It's just really not. Um, and this season, I think, is... is uh, incredibly clear as to why the show is not for me. So hopefully we will uh, continue to uh, brighter pastures, Noah. But until then, do you want to go ahead and wrap it up and take us home? <sighs> for sure. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head over to our Twitter and shoot us a message at ScumVillainPod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge and Gary McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys.